Welcome into a football show. My name is Zach Lyons. He's Mike Kerndon. Welcome into football and other efforts. He's I'm Zach Lyons. He's Mike Kerndon. We're just going to hit them both. We we decided yesterday um, you, your schedule got a little wonky, so we were just like, well, we'll just do it in one show. So here's the plan. Braden likes to keep it like a tight hour, tight hour and two, you know, like that's pretty much like I think he starts sweating if if we go a little over. And me and Mike, we always go over. So always there is going to be like a split for Braden. We're the first hours for Braden. And then we have like a little special skit segment for the football and other efforts listeners at the end of the show. So make sure that you listen to the entire show. If you're fans of both, if you're just fans of a football show and this the succinct hour that we provide. We got it for you. It'll be on the podcast for you. But football under the efforts, a little special bonus, a little hidden peek behind the curtain here. We're, we're here. saving all the empty calories for the, yeah, the last. All the <laughs> full ca- good calories in 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 the first hour, empty calories in the final hour. So that's how we're going to ride with it today. It, it, we're going to just kind of roll through a bunch of different things. We got all kinds of fun topics. We got we're talking Arden Key. We're talking fat people on the offensive line and defensive line. Mike has coined a genius term. Have you used the term that I'm the for Levis? Don't say it yet for Levis uh, on Twitter yet. I don't think I have. No, okay, I the debut that. of a new term and quite possibly the best thing you've ever came up with. Because I mean, I saw what you Finally. did with the monsters of the Mitzway was the <laughs> that was, worst thing. That was I've more heard. a joke than a serious. Oh, question. now <laughs> it's a joke. You were pretty hardcore defending the group chat, but anyway. We're also going to talk about pterodactyls, orcas, all kinds of different stuff. We're going to have a fun show planned for you guys today. But this show could not happen if it wasn't for Seekers Beverages, Bluegrass Beverages, and the Kingston Group. You've heard Bluegrass talked about over on Football and Other Efforts. been around since the 70s. It's like the, people say it's the sister store, but I feel like it's the Papa store. It's the Papa store to Seekers Beverages. It birthed. Maybe it's the Mama store because it birthed the sinkers era down in east nashville so bluegrass beverages in hendersonville tennessee sinkers beverages in east nashville if you're in east nashville or the surrounding area that's close enough for an uber driver to come deliver your liquor they'll drive so you could drink just get on uber eats and look for sinkers beverages and of course join the in crowd for sinkers beverages and join the bob best of bluegrass over at bluegrassbeverages.com and then the kingston group for your home remodeling renovation needs just head to buildkg.com. Just give them a call. Like, if you have any kind of project and you just want some advice, want an estimate, they're okay with you shopping around. They're here to give you advice. They're your locally home and operated remodeling firm, Kingston Group, buildkg.com. We're going to, we got some comments flowing. I mean, we're talking about like nine comments already going. We're going to talk about Jamarco's a true menace. We got Music City GP weekend, Herndon for Hall of Fame, a blissful week without Braden. Man, sorry, Zach. <laughs> That's from Zach Whitener. I'm putting it up. That did not make this up. It is not me. Uh, it's up on the screen for visual proof. Mike, speak on Skronk and Simmons. We'll get to all of that pretty boy Lipschitz, who runs the Pretty Boy Kelly Twitter parody account. <laughs> Which I love. Which, by the way, nobody in the media asked him about a question, which is driving me nuts that no, you had him right there. And, and everybody's probably like, oh, how do you even frame it as a professional question? Blah, blah, blah. 
Guys, you guys just asked about people tackling Derrick Henry. You've asked about <laughs> athletic rankings to players. That's not the least professional question you're ever going to ask. And here it is. Hey, we know players like Nick, Nick to give nicknames to each other. Did anybody in the locker room catch wind that you were uh, dubbed Pretty Boy Kelly? And how do you feel about that nickname? And is that what you're being called? There you go. It would have been, been a great question. I will say that my guess is they didn't want to poke the Kuharski bear out there. Well, is, listen, is my listen, guess. He pokes everybody else. I mean, yeah. if you, you guys need to go today on on 102.5, PK is filling in for Robbie uh, Stanley, who just had a child. Congratulations to him. But on 102.5, Robbie and Rex Road was PK and Rex Road this morning. And Stillman was on. And my God, did they get into it. And it starts at the um, eight o'clock hour, if I'm not mistaken. It's their final hour. And they had to bleed it into two segments because it took so long. <laughs> it is it is worth the watch. Go to YouTube. You got to watch it because you got to see Rex Rhodes reactions, comments on it. If you just listen to it, you're doing yourself an injustice. So you got to go listen to it. Okay. Speaking of media, speaking of love, speaking of pretty boys, I guess you could say. The media darling this year is Arden Key. Everybody loves Arden Key. And you can head to stackintheinbox.com where they had the first Arden Key film review. And then if you want the ripoff, go to paulkarski.com. <laughs> Arden Key uh, is everywhere. Not only was your article out, and our article had been out for a couple of weeks, so we like to stay ahead of the game and not be behind. Uh, then you have John Glennon writing articles, A to Z writing articles. Everybody's loving some Arden Key. You've been at practice. You have seen Arden Key, I guess I would assume up close. I mean, at least yeah. close enough. The energy, the infection, that was the, I think the day that you went was the day that he claimed that he had seven sacks. So what I mean, is everybody's love and obsession with Arden Key? Which I, I mean, uh, honestly. 18? Just saying. Yeah. Honestly, it might have been more. It might have been more than seven sacks that day that I was out there. It was incredible. He was everywhere. Um, and I do think that there's, you know, and I wrote about it in my piece, the, the energy, the trash talking, you know, he is, and you see it when you see him, you know, talk to the media or at the press conference and everything like that. I mean, the guy has like a huge smile, very infectious personality, easy to talk to. Um, he's like, uh, I mean, very personable guy. And then he is just all energy, like just a bundle of energy on the field. He's running around. He's talking trash. He's screaming and yelling. You know, a guy on defense makes a play and he goes nuts. Um, and it's good. I mean, because there's some – you need some guys like that on a team to get everybody going, especially as we're getting into August. You know, we're more than a week into training camp now. And it's going to start to become like a little bit of a slog, especially for the veterans that have been through this a little bit before. Um, you need a guy that kind of brings some juice and, and gets the guys going a little bit. And in the past, you know, I think Taylor Lewan was that for, for the offense for a lot of years. Jeffrey Simmons has some of that to him, but I think Arden key, honestly, is even, he's, he's like Jeffrey Simmons turned up to 10. Like it, it is, uh, really crazy to watch him out there and, and it's impossible not to pay attention to him. And it's not the only, the fact that we were paying attention to him because he's loud, but he's also making play after play after play out there. Um, and it was super impressive. And I, I do think when I wrote about him, uh, it was very early in the off season. I think even before free agency opened, I previewed like the edge market and he was the very first guy that I mentioned because I was like, if you want to find a buy low guy that could turn into something 
like Arden Key is it. And the fact of the matter is they gave him more guaranteed money than they gave DeAndre Hopkins or any other free agent that they signed this whole offseason. He's like um, one of the few that has a true multi-year deal, right? I'd yeah, be like, yeah. that's what's he, funny. He's basically the only one that is contractually almost guaranteed to be here in 2024. So um, I think that's telling. I think they they I think Rand Carthon knew what he was as far as the energy in the building and things like that. And then, as I mentioned in the piece, his pass rush win rate, which is always very difficult to say out loud, uh, has gone up every single year that he's been in the league. I think it started at like. Uh, it was pretty low. It's like eight. Let's see here. I got it in front of me. All right, nine point one percent. The acronym's not any better, by the way. PRWR is is kind yeah, of hard to get out there as it's well. Tough. So nine point one percent in in twenty eighteen, eleven point two percent in twenty nineteen, eleven point six percent in twenty twenty, uh, and then he jumped up to eleven point eight percent in twenty twenty one when he went to the the Niners, and then last year with the Jaguars, uh, he jumped up to thirteen point eight percent. So increasing every year and this last year was the biggest jump that he's had um so i think it's indicative of a guy that has talked this week about being in better shape uh spending more time with his preparation he learned you know from trent williams getting in the cold tub before practice to wake the body up and stuff like that um this is a guy that's taken football a lot more seriously throughout the course of his nfl career and i think that's starting to pay dividends for him in production. He's always had the talent. Like he was a super talented guy. He was like mm-hmm. a lot of people thought he was going to be a first round pick when he was a sophomore uh, at I, LSU and he had that. I, I pounded the table for him back in 2018 because I thought that anybody that can get Arden Key, and this was really Vrabel's first year, right? So like we didn't really know what Vrabel was, but you kind of got the feeling that Vrabel would be able to be was going to be a good coach. I felt if anybody in this league that comes from a defense uh, defensive background can get Arden Key to reach his potential. It was Mike Vrabel, and I, I harped on it. And man, for like two years, I was like, "Man, this is really gonna be bad. <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna turn out good." But you're talking about he's in his heading into his sixth season. He's just about. Does he turn? Tw- has he already turned twenty seven? Just turned twenty seven, like two or three yeah. months ago. Yeah, so he just turned twenty seven in May. So I mean, he's really at the peak of where it takes some edge rushers to get to anyway, if you have a long career. Now, obviously they have earlier and better production, but this doesn't mean that he can't be productive. And and really I'm all in on the Arden Kia. I have been for a while. He was one of the, the first guys I connected to um to the Titans because of rank Carthon as a 49ers GM. It wasn't even because of a need. It was just because I felt like you bring in Aziz Al Shayer and Arden Key, which they have a great relationship. And they both have great on-field, off-the-field personalities. It's not only helpful for just the slog of the off-season, Mike. In in my mind, I'm thinking if you would have had them during the losing streak last year or the slog of the actual regular season, that kind of infectious energy can help turn things around in the locker room and on the field. And the defense didn't really have a problem with that because, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons was pretty good. But these guys, you're right, they are both like a step above. You know, David Long, he was trying to get there. It just never really felt like he put it all together. It's like he was like three-fourths of the way there in, I terms, think, in terms of personality right. on the field. 
Yeah, I think it's from a production standpoint, David Long was had already yeah. arrived. I just think he, from a leadership standpoint, from being a loud vocal guy, I, you know, I always felt like he was that was not his most comfortable uh, role or position. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, it doesn't have to be for everybody, but it is important to have some of those guys. And the Titans now, I think, seem to have a lot of them. And I think he's going to be interesting to watch because I do think he's going to line up all over the place. Um, I think he's going to get a chance to play early downs, which he has not had the chance to throughout his career to this point, really since his rookie season with the Raiders. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Cause I mean, look last year with Jacksonville, he he had the highest run defense grade of his career. He graded out at 75.1, I believe, or and something 60 like that. Is average by um, the way. Yeah. 75.1 is a very, very good score uh, from a run defense standpoint. Now he wasn't asked to do it a ton. Um, but when I watched the film and everything, the reps that I did see, he did a good job. I mean, I think he was using his length, um, and he was able to anchor against power. You know, there's a clip that I put in my article, uh, of him working against Tyler Smith, who is a very powerful tackle. Um, you know, even if he was a rookie, uh, certainly had the ability to move people in the run game and, and Smith, you know, jumps out to take a to a lick on Arden Key, and Arden Key just stiffs it, stiffs him right in his neck with the the long arm, and holds him right in there. For turns the play back inside for an easy tackle for the linebacker. So stuff like that encourages me that I think he will be able to play uh, a good, um, you know, three down roll, three down football um, for this team, which is is what they need uh, opposite Harold Landry, and obviously with Danico Autry also mixing in um in those those edge spots basically is and this is a question for pretty boy lipschitz on uh youtube is he the autry replacement long term i kind of think he is just from the fact of autry's kind of got that inside outside versatility now autry's a more powerful player um than key is but key's also a lot more athletic i kind of i described him as sort of a blend between Harold Landry and, and Danico Autry and the fact that he's athletic enough to play in, play in space, but he also has some length and strength to be able to kick down and play inside. So I think it's uh, there's a good chance that he probably is the Autry replacement from a long-term standpoint in the fact that he can play inside or outside and brings that versatility um, and, and can kind of be a matchup nightmare for them. So it, it'll be interesting to see how those guys are kind of deployed together. Uh, this year, but yeah, I would imagine I'd imagine Autry's probably not back next year unless he just is, you know, has a crazy season and they bring him back on like a one year. If if you played in a league, a fantasy league that was stupid to have in individual defensive players, oh god, I hate that. how how high would you draft Arden Key though? I, so I have no and idea I, because I, I just I really don't. I don't know how the scoring works in those leagues because I avoid them like the plague because it's just way too much. It's way too much. Um, but he would be on your radar. He would be because I think he's going to be productive. I I, I think he's going to be in for you know probably eight plus sacks. Um, I think this is going to be a good defensive front. I think that's going to give him more opportunities. I think the fact that Autry and Simmons are really good pickers and they're going to be able to run some uh, you know tight end or not tight end <laughs> tackle in stunts with him. Uh, and and be able to pick guys off and give him clear shots at the quarterback. I think he's going to have an opportunity to be really productive for this defense. And maybe it's just because he's a blabbermouth or has a good personality. But I thought it was interesting the other day when he was in front of the when he was actually on the press conference, not just one of those videos uh, from the sidelines. But he talks about 
with Harold Landry discussing if you're going to go high, I'm going to go low. If you're going to go low, I'm going to go high. You know, discussing how to trap the quarterback essentially if they're both rushing at the same time or if one's setting the edge or whatever. And, and I, 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 that seems very common sense stuff. Like, is this is some of the stuff that's being said is being said for the first time out loud, but it's stuff that we've always assumed. Yeah. But it also kind of shows, like, to me, that I'm, I'm kind of like this team feels like it's more of a team and not individuals. It feels like when Bud Dupree came onto the team or Jadavion Clowney came on the team, it's just like Bud Dupree do Bud Dupree things. Harold Landry, they're very, it felt very isolated. Like, yeah. you're doing this, Harold Landry, you're doing this. It seems here there's a lot of crossover, and maybe this has more to do with positionless football. This has more to do with no John Robinson walking around, twirling his uh, whistle, you know, being the the Nazi, the practice Nazi that he was. But to me, it feels like there's a lot more collaboration among the players in the defense off the field or after a play. Did you get that sense? Um, maybe. I, I mean, I I think the Titans really, from a pass rush standpoint, have always really kind of put an emphasis on trapping the quarterback and, and collapsing the pocket. Like that is to me kind of one of the hallmarks of the Mike Vrabel era from a defensive standpoint is they don't want to just, you know, cause I mean, and, and I've talked about this before you get one guy penetrating into the backfield who wins on his, his pass rush move. That guy can be avoided in the pocket by an elusive quarterback, which is more and more, the standard in the NFL these days. Um, but if you get, you know, assuming you have no penetration from anyone else, but if you get multiple guys penetrating, or if you have one guy penetrating and then the rest of the guys are pushing their offensive linemen back and collapsing that pocket, making it tight to where the quarterback doesn't have uh, room to move around and escape, it, that makes a huge difference in the ability to actually convert pressures into sacks which I think is something that they have done pretty well um, in recent years. But I think, I think key definitely is, it seems to be a collaborative guy. I mean, the fact that he has a really good relationship with Al Shire and, and Al Shire is going to be, it sounds like the the play caller for the defense this year too, by the way, which is an indication of kind of how they view him uh, as a piece to this, this team. But, I think it's going to be a, a group that's going to be pretty tight knit, and and it seems like the defense is way ahead of the offense in camp so far, which is not necessarily a surprise. But um, it feels like we say that every year too. Like it kind of feels like every year we're saying that same thing because they're they're having to reset so many pieces year in and year out. Yeah, well, especially this year with the offense being yeah. basically brand new around Tannehill and Henry uh, for the most part, but. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this defense comes together. Uh, how much, uh, and this is from, uh, Trey Wynn, how much of it is a roster build built based on analytics? I feel like he Simmons, Landry and Autry is a skill set combo that will be a problem. Do you think how much of it, because we know that some analytics was there, but really there's, they're now building out the analytics department and their models and perfecting. So uh, how much of it do you think the analytics played in designing guys? It's almost liking it to Moneyball, right? Like cheaper guys that provide you a value that everybody else is kind of undervaluing or flying under the radar. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that 
it, it probably was used to some degree just because I think Rand Carthon has shown already that he's very much an analytics um, driven GM or, or someone who values that input into the process. Um, you know, I, I think they probably, I, I think all 32 teams subscribe to PFF ultimate or whatever it is uh, where they get all their, didn't really feel like the Titans do, but we'll see. Well, <laughs> I mean, they probably do now. Yeah. But I mean, you look at a guy like a guy like Arden key versus a guy like Bud Dupree is a good example because Bud Dupree was an analytics nightmare. Like it, he was always a guy that his sack production, those two years when he had, you know, the big sack numbers in Pittsburgh, uh, that led to his big free agent contract. According to analytics, were mostly empty numbers, right? Now, there there were also some numbers that suggested that when he was on the field, the Pittsburgh defense performed at a much higher level. And I think that is a factor. Like, that is a part of analytics as well. Um, but from an individual standpoint, Bud Dupree never had – high pass rush win win rates. God, I, I've got to find a new term for that because it is awful to say, and I'm really bad at it. Um, but he was never good at that. Um, he always had really low numbers, even if he had good sack production. And Key has kind of been the opposite. His sack numbers have never been huge. A lot of a lot of that's because he hasn't played a ton of snaps. Like he haven't, hasn't played as starters complement of snaps either of the last two seasons. Um, but his you know, underlying metrics are pretty good. So he's got, uh, you know, high, high win rates. He's got, you know, good pass rush productivity scores. So I certainly think there's a chance that we're seeing that transition happening now, but I think in a few years, we'll really be able to tell a lot more about what, you know, Chad Brinker and Sarah Bailey and the analytics staff has been able to do because I think they're just at the outset of really building out the proprietary stuff that they're going to build and maintain in house. In addition to the stuff that they're subcontracting, subcontracting out to like S2 or PFF or, or whoever else they use. And to be honest, I was looking at their staff page the other day and it's just like Sarah Bailey, Chad Brinker, a guy that actually like, I guess turns the models into apps or pro computer programs that everybody can use. And then like a, a data monkey. And that is pretty much it. It's like a very, still very small. So it's going to, I don't know. I'm learning R right now. And I don't know if they use R, Python, what they're using, but it's a very labor. It's not, it's not labor intensive, but it's a very complicated thing until you like learn it all. So I kind of wonder how quick can four people essentially build out everything that they need. So I wonder if it's, they're still going through some growing pains right there. But you know yeah. who's not going through grow- some growing pains? Our sponsors, BuildKG.com, The Kingston Group, Bluegrass Beverages, BluegrassBeverages.com, and Sinkers Beverages, SinkersBeverages.com. They've all been around for decades. So go and use these guys that have perfected their craft. These businesses have perfected their craft. Bluegrass and Sinkers will tell you what you, you tell them. Say, I, I want some brown water. I want some fancy brown water. Bluegrass Seekers Beverages have the staff that will point you in the right direction. And, of course, the Kingston Group will point you in the right direction for all your construction needs. Let me tell you who's going in the wrong direction. And Arden Key is forcing them to go in the wrong direction, this defensive line. And that is the offensive line. And we are here at, it seems like, our regular screaming at each other, the great hog molly debate, part 50. Um where we we disagree about the ceiling or the likelihood that this team can turn it around from the offensive line. 
There are three articles over at stackinginbox.com, two by me and one by Trajan Watkins, where I do where I say it's time for a rebound from the offensive line and do a case study on it. And then uh, Trey's talking about the lack of urgency of the Titans at right tackle. There's a lot of storylines revolving around this. Surprisingly enough, out of all the local media, PK is the most positive about the offensive line and positive in a pretty positive manner about it. He's like, you know, it's going to take time, blah, blah, blah. And he brings up a point, which he may have picked up from stackinginbox.com because it came, he, he made the point after I made the point talking about how the scheme can mask the offensive line's deficiencies. So it will be a lot of this is going to be Tim Kelly and the pass catching weapons doing some heavy lifting for the boys up front. You hate this offensive line. You tweet about it incessantly. I'm sick of it. Pin it to your profile. Just retweet it. You don't have to say you don't have to type out the same message every time, but you hate them. And that's okay. That's your opinion. It will ultimately be proven wrong. But what do do you? I, I hesitate to ask what your confidence level is, but why aren't you giving him the benefit of the doubt or a clean slate that Tim Kelly has been given? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt and a clean slate. I've never said that this is guaranteed to be a terrible offensive line this year. I'm just saying that none of these guys are proven. Like none of them are proven commodities, which is a factual statement. Like Andre Dillard has played nine NFL games. Uh, Peter Skronsky's played zero. Aaron Brewer has what? two starts at center uh, in his NFL career. Brunskill's played a couple seasons, but was benched for a fourth round pick last year. And the right tackle, we have no clue who it's going to be. So there are zero proven commodities on this offensive line, which is what scares the crap out of me, especially when I went to camp on Friday and see Andre Oh, I saw, Dillard. I knew. I was like, fucking Mike goes to the one camp that they're like, they're just going crazy over. The- I mean, the, well, Andre Dillard got absolutely pummeled by Arden Key uh, in that in that practice and look I think Arden Key's gonna be really good he's not gonna be the best defensive end that that Andre Dillard is asked to block this year and if another defensive end has a day like Arden Key had on Friday against Dillard it's gonna be like Dennis Daly 2.0 for that game I don't think that's gonna happen every week I'm not saying that he is Dennis Daly I'm just saying it was bad on Friday when I was out there and look Brunskill getting pushed around by Jeffrey Simmons we all kind of expected that to happen Uh, you know that's that's something that you know, a lot of players are going to get pushed around by Jeffrey Simmons, including Quentin Nelson. You know, so like I'm not going to necessarily hold that completely against him. But again, it's a reminder that, you know, when Jeffrey Simmons is running up and down the field screaming, it's too effing easy uh, after like almost every snap that he's in the backfield immediately. It's just not a great sign for the offensive line as a but whole, it's right? So early. I know, though. I know, I know, I know. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is it. That the book's closed. I'm just saying that this is what happened the day that I was out there, and it was concerning, especially as somebody who has some doubts about this offensive line to begin with. Like some, a some? lot of doubts. A yeah, lot. I have doubts doubt. about every single one of them. Like every single <laughs> position on the offensive line, I have some level of doubt about their ability to play anything above like replacement level football. And that's, they need somebody to be good on the offensive line and they need all of them to at least be passable. And I just don't know, like, I just don't know what it's going to be. And I've always said, 
there's a situation where like Andre Dillard reaches his potential. He was a former first round pick. He's, he's extremely athletic. Like I love the athleticism of Dillard. I think he's got some potential. Um, You know, Skaronsky, I love the pick in that, you know, I think he's going to be a good guard in the NFL. I think he's going to be a pro bowl, all pro kind of guy. Um, Maybe not this year, but long-term, I think he will be. Um, I, I have always like Brewer at center. So like, I feel like there is upside for all of these guys besides maybe like, I think Brunskill kind of is what he is. And I think that's like replacement level, you know, probably if you stacked up the right guards in the NFL, Brunskill would probably be somewhere in the like bottom 10, bottom 10 to 12 oh, as far as starters. You're so wrong on oh, that. Oh, come on now. If, if Brunskill yeah. had signed with the Jaguars, you'd be like, who's this guy? Who's Brunskill? I'd be I upset. Mean, I'd be upset because no, I talked about Brunskill on. on the outset of this whole free agency thing. If, if maybe if, if I was some Joe Schmo in the, in the group chat or something, but I talked about how I think that Daniel Brunskill <laughs> would be a good replacement for Nate Davis, who, by the way, is already injured and has Bears fans in a panic on Twitter today. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, I saw, I saw, are, that, I saw that he missed practice. Yeah. But hey, I, look, I think Nate Davis is very clearly a better player than than Daniel Brunskill when healthy and on the field and trying, right? Like that, I think that is a definite truth. Um, so he's one of the probably 20 right guards that I think is a better player than Daniel Brunskill currently in the NFL. Um so look, I just, I, I mean, do you think he's going to be a pro bowler? Like, I mean, what, what, where are you putting him I, in the, in the I wouldn't put him a pro, the pro, right I wouldn't put him a pro bowler by base top 20. I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, if, if you're doing just right guards, I think he'd still be top 20, but like, I don't think you realize how bad the guards were for the Vikings. The Vikings were the worst and they still somehow are ranked like in the middle of the pack of all these teams. It's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, to, what would, is there anything that the offensive line can do in the off season before week one to give you any faith and make you go, you know what? Maybe I was a little, a little mean on the, on these little fellas. I mean, I'm not saying, look, again, I'm not saying they're 100% going to be bad. I just think that there is a very real possibility that they are bad. Um, and and I think a lot of people seem to have this idea that, like, because they changed out all the parts, it's all fixed and it's all better. And it's going to be much, much, much better this year. It could be much better. That's possible. That's one of the possible, like, the range of outcomes that I think are within the possibility is, like, this offensive line does gel and Skaronsky's a instant hit. Dillard, you know, reaches his potential. Brunskill's okay. Brewer's good. And they figure out right tackle, whatever happens over there. Um, and that group's like top, maybe what half, like maybe right at like the midway point of offensive lines, like in the 15, 16 range. I think that's like within the realm of possibility. I think more likely is that they're, somewhere in the like 20 to 26 range. And then I also think there's a pretty decent possibility that they're one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Again, I think if you stacked up, if you looked at all the other offensive lines in the NFL, I don't think you would find a single one that has less proven talent than what the Titans do on it. Um, And I, I know there's potential, there's all that, but there's just nothing proven, which to me, like as somebody who's, 
watched the Titans for a long time. I've gotten wrapped up in potential way too many times and seen it turn into nothing. Like Justin Hunter, Doriel Green Beckham. I mean, um, Chance Warmack, all these, all these guys that had potential to be good and then just were not good. Um, and I just don't know that I'm willing to hang my hat on potential right now today. Now, if they start showing me something in training camp and in preseason work and they start to look good and you're seeing, you know, real steps taken, Andre Dillard starting to look like, you know, he's getting it, it's clicking, then maybe, maybe we, we will feel a little bit better. Uh, by week one, but really, I, I think I'm going to need to see some games before I'm real. We're really willing to consider that the offensive line is better than bad at this point. Whew. Man, it's tough. It's tough out here for those guys. I mean, they're just out here trying to do their job, and you just you just won't it's, let them it, do it. It's not their fault that they haven't proven anything in the NFL. You know, <laughs> it just is what it is. You know. Oh man. Well, I will say this. It doesn't take much for an offensive line to look better than what it did last year. A part of that's going to be scheme. A part of that is going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks getting open. Um, and, and a part of that's probably going to be a, a tiny bit of an easier schedule than what they faced last year. But, they, you know, it's still a very front-loaded schedule, which is the worst. It's the worst time for the offensive line to have the front-loaded heavy schedule because – they're they're gonna look really bad in the the team the I can already see the fans are gonna be turning on them every chance that they get and you're gonna be like oh I told you so I told you so and then by oh. the end of the year by the end of the year they're gonna be middle of the pack and then I'll be like I'll told you so just keep the faith well, my friend listen I mean first four weeks they're gonna have to play Cam Jordan Joey Bosa uh, Miles Garrett and Trey Hendrickson um, all of those guys I believe will be lining up against Andre Dillard so Andre Dillard needs to have it figured out by week one. Of course, yeah. Remember, he hasn't played a lot, so right. I, I know that's a concern. But I feel like you know when you're talking about what they're doing in practice, you have to remember who is practicing and who has gotten probably more practice reps in the last you know seven or eight months versus who hasn't. Yeah, you know, I mean, Arden Key's obviously been practicing more and taking more meaningful reps over the last calendar year, whereas you know Andre Dillard's probably just getting his feet wet uh, beneath him. Yeah, and and I mean the thing the thing to me too is and this is if you want to look for a reason to believe that the offensive line could be better. I think the biggest thing cuz I don't think Brunskill is going to be so bad that he cripples your entire offense. Um I just don't think he's going to be very good. Um but I don't even think that that really matters. I think the thing that matters is you absolutely have to have Andre Dillard be good. Um because you cannot go into a season with two bad tackles. We saw what that looked like last year. And it is a death sentence for an offense because you are left with these choices. Either you leave one of your bad tackles alone on an island on third down against one of these awesome pass rushers. The NFL is loaded with pass rushers nowadays. Everyone has a good edge rusher. Um, either you leave one of these bad tackles alone on an island with those guys, or you're chipping and you're only able to send out like three guys into the pattern against what will likely be seven uh, defensive backs. So you're, like outnumbered two to one in the secondary, just from a number standpoint, when you're only getting three guys out into the pattern. So, you know, you're kind of screwed from a standpoint of pass protection. And, and that also affects early downs. That's why like the Titans have always had to rely so much on play action in their early down passing game is, you know, Hey, if you don't trust your tackles, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do to be able to have a, any sort of passing attack. And if, 
that just becomes repetitive. Teams can look for that. Teams can find ways to take away kind of those pet play action uh, attacks. And they did that to a large degree last year. So I don't think there's any hope that the right tackle situation is going to be good before week seven um, or before, I guess, week eight the uh, after the bye. Um, so I think Dillard's got to be good. I think he's got to be good pretty early. And if he's not, if Dillard is bad, I think you're going to go through another season where you're going to have two bad tackles and you're going to see them having to keep guys in to protect on third downs and you're going to have three guys running routes. And that, in that case, you better hope that Andre Dill, or not, uh, that DeAndre Hopkins and Kyle Phillips are getting open and Traylon Burks are getting open quickly on, on third downs. Uh, but to me, Dillard is like the linchpin of the entire offense at this point. How he performs is uh, paramount to their success. All right, enough hog molly talk. I'm sick of it. We'll probably talk about it again next week. Yeah. <laughs> but let's 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 debut your new term for this new era of training camp. What's on the horizon? And so I have to ask you, and I'm asking the people in the chat, has the Levisance arrived? And because you think it has. You you're calling it the Levisance. Uh, Will Levis, obviously, since I guess you could say the training wheels came off, maybe that's what he needed was a little bit less overthinking, a little bit more instinctual go play football kind of deal. But on Tuesday, they decided that they weren't going to do any scripts. They were going to treat it like a game situation. They prepared the night before like it was a game situation. And he seemed to thrive. I mean, he came out and is throwing touchdowns three in a row which is kind of mind-boggling because you've, you've never seen three back-to-back touchdown passes in a row. Uh, it's kind of insane. And he did uh, it two days in a row. Yeah, he did it two days in a row. I mean, he's been really, really good. His favorite target is Reggie Roberson. He's done it versus the threes. He's done it versus the twos. He's looked better in both situations. And it, I have a comment from Mike Vrabel today that I thought was pretty interesting. But specifically... This was a topic that you wanted to talk about. So tell everybody why you believe the Le- Levisance is here. I think so. Malik Willis, obviously, he has improved. He has improved. I think he's better than he was this time last year. Um, but I think Levis is already way, way beyond where Willis was this time last year. And I think Levis really is, he's in the process of passing Willis right now. I I think we're at the very outset of this is where Levis ends up taking the job. Um, Probably in the next few weeks that, 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 you know, rep count starts to balance out and then maybe even skews completely towards Levis getting the reps with the twos and Willis being pushed down to the threes. I think, I think we're in the process of that happening. Um, And I I think Levis has been impressive from a standpoint of he's not making a ton of huge mistakes. The operation doesn't look bad when he's in like, I mean, I remember last year, I mean, Malik Willis would go in the game and sometimes it looked like they couldn't get lined up right. And, and it just looked like nobody knew what they were doing um, on the offense at times. And to me, Levis has had none of that. He's been pretty clean operationally. He looks like he's getting the ball out pretty quickly. Um, you know, and, and obviously the, the accuracy has been pretty good. I mean, if you look at his numbers as a whole over camp that Jim Wyatt's been tracking, I think he's completing close to, uh, I think it's in the high sixties, which is what he was at Kentucky. 
a high 60s completion percentage kind of guy. If you look at uh, Anthony Richardson, I think Anthony Richardson might be below 50% uh, right now just based on some of the practice reports I've seen out of Indy. Um, but I, I think Levis is is making his move now. And I think he's shown enough that I'm pretty convinced that he's at least an NFL like bottom bottom level starter kind of quarterback right now. Like I think you could put him on the field and be okay. Would you rather um, have Will Levis or Desmond Ritter? I think I'd rather have Levis. I, I'd rather oh. have Levis. Yeah. And I, I do ah, like Ritter. I, and I'm yeah, still intrigued you're, by you're, Ritter. Mean you're big Ritter guys yeah. and, and stuff. And so you you are you are team Will Levis right now. Yeah. I, I, Is that I'm, a little I'm, bit of I'm homerism? Impressed. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't look. I haven't gotten to see Ritter up close, like in practice. I see the little clips that circulate from like Drake London and Bijan Robinson and everything that go around Twitter, like everybody else. But I haven't gotten to obviously see him at at practice or anything. I thought he was okay last year in in the game situations that he got to play in, and I guess from what I've heard from Atlanta is that he's looks like a guy that's you know that they're excited about at least. So I'm interested to see what Ritter looks like this year, but I, I think I'd rather have Levis. Levis just has a much bigger tool set. I mean, he's a bigger guy. He's got a bigger arm. Um, his upside is way higher than Ritter's in my opinion. And I think Ritter could, I think Ritter's ceiling is probably, and I think we talked about this last year. It's kind of like, you know, Tannehill, like if he's Tannehill, but could win in the playoffs or, or if he's Tannehill, um, but you know, doesn't have the, the, you know, just mind numbing interceptions every now and then, uh, you know, I think that's his ceiling. I think Levis' ceiling is higher than that. So I, I'd rather give me the high ceiling guy. Who's already showing signs that he belongs. Very interesting. I, I was, I thought that you may go with, uh, Desmond Ritter, but that's it's just very interesting. I mean, I can't say that I disagree technically. I just I just did think it was pretty interesting. Uh so with the Levisance, we still have Malik Willis, you know, in him. They're they're not battling, they're comp- competing, I guess. I don't know. Uh said they don't want it to be combative the the competition. But I thought it was interesting about something that Malik Willis or that something Mike Vrabel said about Malik Willis. And I, I want you to tell me if I'm reading too much into it, because we know Vrabel is a guy that carefully crafts what he says. He was asked about, is it nice to see, or how do you feel about the improvement that you have seen from Malik Willis compared to where he was last year? And he said, in terms of development, I don't like to really dwell on the past. I don't think the past is important. And we have talked on Football and Other F-Words and a football show how that if you're starting from the bottom, your improvement from way down at level 11 to tw- to 10 can still look like glaring improvement, even if it's just a couple levels jump. I think that's what Mike Vrabel is getting at. I think he's just saying, hold the phone. He's not quite there where he needs to be yet. But we do like what we've seen but I don't want to compare it to last year because then I couldn't say nice things about Malik Willis. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Levis or Willis is, uh, I think Willis has taken steps forward and I, I think, you know, they're not going to say anything bad about him right now either. Right. I mean, I, I yeah. think 
Rabel has gone out of his way to say some nice things where he didn't necessarily have to, which I always think, you know, if you ask Rabel a question point blank about a guy and he says something about him, I think that's one thing. When you ask him a some a general question and he goes and brings up a guy out of nowhere, I think that's a different thing. And he's done that with Willis a couple of times. So I do think he really is, is tr- and let me also say that the media is sometimes a tool that a coach uses to pump up a guy that maybe he thinks needs some confidence or maybe he, you know, wants to reach that way and and say some nice things, get a little bit of, you know, see if maybe a little push with a, a positive message could, could help him. I think that's sometimes, uh, you know, a tool that is used by coaches, but you know, I think ultimately I still think Malik is going to make this team um, at the end of the day and they're going to end up, keeping him around as the emergency third quarterback to to have on game days. And then, you know, possibly a backup for Levis next year or trade bait, you know? So I, I think that's where we're headed with this thing. It's just going to be uh, a slow road to get there and they'll, they'll never admit any of those things, but I think that's where, where we're going to end up. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at too. It just feels like that is the way that it's going to go. Um, I will say this. I'm really liking what I hear about Will Levis. I, I kind of agree with you. The Levisance has arrived. I think he's done enough to show that if Ryan Tannehill were to go down, he's not going to be in over his head like like a certain quarterback was last year. Right. Um, and they may be able to do more with it. I I hesitate because there was a discussion this morning. Again, we'll we'll go back. Uh, this was actually yesterday evening, Wednesday evening on. Um, I always like to tune in for uh, Jared versus Joe where they're arguing. And I think where we're at is like, if you're going to pose the question of ceiling and you don't want to put a realistic ceiling on it, then you probably don't need to have the discussion at all because you're going to have, because we've had this discussion we're we're going to ceiling just means like, Oh, anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, with Malik Willis waiting in the re- wings, Malik Willis is improving. I thought it was interesting that Jared last night said that his ceiling, Malik Willis's ceiling, and this is a discussion about ceilings. If if Malik Willis reached his full potential, reached his full potential, he still wouldn't be as good as Tyrod Taylor in the NFL. Oh. What do you think about that statement? Isn't that a ridiculous statement? That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was at least going to give him Jacoby Brissett, you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> um, no, I, I think Malik Willis's ceiling is probably higher than that. I mean, it, I guess it depends on what you believe to be a improvable trait. Um, like if you think that his pocket awareness, his ability to kind of read a defense and see downfield and stuff like that is just something that cannot be improved. I suppose that could end up being, what his ceiling is, but I don't think that's true. I, I think that's stuff that you can improve on. And I think that's why Willis does still have a chance to become like a starting level quarterback at the NFL level at some point for some team. I, I don't think it'll end up being this team because I think Levis is going to be better than him, but um, I could see Willis being a, being a starter for some team in the NFL at some point in his career. Yeah. I just thought, it, I thought it was interesting that like, that's what, that's what they went with is that like, or that's what he went with. But it's a, it's a terrible, it's just it's just terrible. Yeah. Okay. So 
We're, we're nearing the end. We got a couple more people that we want to talk about before we get to the football and other efforts portion of this. Bluegrass, Sinkers, Beverages, the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Go support these locally owned businesses. We got a pterodactyl on the rise. He's flapping his wings and he's rising from the ashes, almost like a pterodactyl phoenix. And that that man is a guy that we both were pretty high on heading into last offseason, an undrafted free agent. And he's getting a lot of love from his position coach today. And you put out a tweet insinuating that he is fighting for that number one spot based on the D defensive lineman's coach's words. And that man was the new kid on the block, Jaden Peavy. So I ask you, Mike, how cuff are you concerned about Tier Tart or is Jaden Peavy just that good? It, there's a lot of PV buzz uh, coming out of the Titans world right now as far as, I mean, it was even before training camp started that, you know, there was reports that were trickling out there about, you know, the Titans really like what PV's done this offseason. Um, Shane Bowen talked about it. Terrell Williams has talked about it now. I think Mike Vrabel's talked about him. Um, and they're all glowing in what they say about him. And look, PV's a guy that I was intrigued by last year because you just don't have that many, like six, five, I think he's like three Oh nine and, but has like 35 and a half inch arms, which is a rare arm length. I mean, I think his wingspan is over seven feet. Um, so he's built more like a NBA basketball player, but he also weighs 300 pounds and has, you know, uh, a lot of power to his game as well. Um, Super talented guy, very intriguing skill set, and it seems like the light has come on. He's, it sounds like he's dropped some weight compared to where he was last year. Um, and it does it like I to me, Terrell Williams, when he said, you know, because I think the question was asked or it was posed as, you know, uh, what does it mean for Jaden Peavy to to get a chance to work behind guys like Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons? Um, and he said his response was something along the lines of, I'm not saying he's working behind any of those guys and, and, you know, he's, you know, he's got an opportunity to, to earn a role and everything's going to be earned around here, um, which is a little bit of coach speak, but I also think they're playing him at nose tackle. And I don't know if maybe they're trying to maybe light a fire under tier tarts ass. If, if they felt like he spent too much of his off season worrying about his contract and all that stuff and, and not not being focused on on getting ready for the season or what. And I'm not saying there's anything to be alarmed about about Tier Tart right now, but it, it they like PV a lot from what I can tell. And it'll be very, very interesting to see how reps are distributed. Because I, I think I told you uh, the first yeah, with the day that I was out there at, at camp, I was like, holy crap, PV's out there early. Um, like he's, he's working in basically with the starters at this point. Um, and you know, that's, that was eye-opening to me because they, they are giving him reps as if he's not only going to be on the team, but he's going to be a big part of the rotation. So, um, I, th I think Naquan Jones ain't making the team, right? Uh, if I you mean, were doing a final 53, you put Naquan Jones on probably as the fifth guy. Yeah. Um, because I think, think it would be Simmons, Autry and Autry really like, to me, so this is another thing. Autry has mostly been working with outside linebackers in the individual drills. Right, he's like, like a, he's like almost you have like your defensive line, your outside okay. linebackers, and you have yeah. your hybrid, and he yeah. counts as one guy for both. He's really kind of a hybrid, yeah. So if you, but if you count him among the defensive line, 
Um, you have him, and then you have Tart, and then I think PV, and then I think Naquan. I, I, th- I think Naquan would be the next guy, but I think Shelvin this. Max in there. Yeah. But Naquan could play more of the three tag, too. So that's that's the thing. Shelvin Max a pure nose tackle, and you don't need that many nose tackles. Would you rather – do you think the team would value Naquan Jones or Malik Willis more? If it came down like you're, you're picking mm. the final 53, would you have to take – would you rather have three quarterbacks, seven wide receivers, or uh, four defensive linemen, mm. including Autry in that? Or five, I guess, if you include Autry in that. I, I think I don't know. I guess they I would probably say Malik Willis. Um just because I think you could find another, you know, defensive tackle to plug in if you had to uh into a rotation. It's a lot harder to find another like third quarterback if you're feel like you need to keep three or another guy that could have like real trade value. Cause you're not gonna be able to trade Naquan Jones for anything uh next year. But Malik Willis, if he shows in preseason and looks pretty good and and you know, maybe there's a team out there that liked his potential to begin with, he could have real trade value this time next year, uh, if Levis is is gonna be the guy. So I, I'd probably still go Willis. All right. I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier with the last segment for the football show portion of the thing. Do you, are you a big fan of horror movies? Mm, you know, kind of. Do you know, do you know the guy. term "final girl"? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's for those that may not know. That's the person who survives the slasher. So Jamie Lee Curtis is considered the final girl. Uh, Sid from Scream. She's considered the final girl. So who among the wide receivers is going to be the final girl, Mike? Who's going to survive the bloodbath? Because we've already saw Jacob Copeland go down. He they they yeah. opted to bring in a wide receiver, or sorry, they opted to bring in a center uh, whose name escapes me, like Jimmy something, like yeah, Jim yeah, Bob. We'll call Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy. He's Morris not going to make the team, me. so. But they decided to get rid of Jacob Copeland, who they loved. Jacob Copeland, like I'm a little surprised that that is the wide receiver or the position that they cut from, because. They loved him in the pre-draft process. They gave, we talked about it last week. They gave him a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm a little shocked that Jacob Copeland was the one that was shown the door, especially with the return, you know, situation still up in the air. So here's who we here's who I have as locks. And so this is going to be six people. So do you oh, think I, that, de- I definitely don't have six locks? I'll tell you. You that don't right. have six locks? No, okay, so not at water I got. Wow, really? I'm I'm interested to hear this. Uh, I think you agree. You may agree with Tyler, I would assume, of Tic Tac Titans. But I say that it's obviously DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips. There's three. Yeah. Chris Moore. There's four. Mm-hmm. And number five is uh, NWI. So there's yeah. five. Wait a minute. Did I say I had six locks? Can I just not you fucking said six count? Locks. I just can't fucking oh, count. Oh, okay. 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 Sorry. So those are the five locks. So uh, who is going to be the sixth wide receiver? There are some people, Tyler, so maybe you don't agree with Tyler. He thinks that NWI isn't a lot. There's actually a couple of uh, accounts out there. But he's the I one that, I, that, I don't I think, think that, he's a complete lock. You I don't think he's a complete no. lock? NWI is not a complete lock on this team. I don't think so, no. Wow. I think wow. he was before before DeAndre Hopkins, but I think now that that's really in, in doubt. Because I, I think Chris Moore can play multiple positions for them. Yeah. Um, and I think Chris Moore's better than NWI as a receiver. Um, 
Now, I think there's some question as to whether or not maybe you could keep him around and have him do the special team stuff and, and all that. Like, I, I still think if I had to pick a favorite among the guys behind Chris Moore, I would probably pick NWI as my favorite, as the most likely to make the roster, but I don't know that I have 100% lock on him. Wow, I, I'm I'm pretty surprised by that. Now, Stoney agrees with you. He goes, I don't think so either. He has conspiracy theory that they only brought NWI back as veteran insurance in case the Hopkins deal didn't work out. So your four are the same top four that I got. Yeah. Because they love Chris Moore. They, they, they're yeah. gushing about him. So I guess that if Chris so, Moore is there, maybe they don't need NWI. Okay, so let's say NWI gets cut, which would be super surprising to me, but not so surprising to you. So yeah. maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe because it means you, Tyler, I think A to Z was kind of posing this question too. So maybe I'm in the minority on this one. Um, but NWI is cut. They can, Obviously, you're still going to carry six, right? Do you think if NWI doesn't make it, you still think they carry six. So that leaves four. That leaves two positions is it Reggie Roberson, my guy, and Colton Dow? Who are the other two if NWI is not one of them? That would be my two right now. Now, I, I will say Treshawn Harrison, um, the UDFA out of Oregon State, and uh, Gavin Holmes, the UDFA out of Baylor. Both of those guys impressed me when I was out there, um, and I've heard good things about them on the days since I've been out there as well. So I, I think – those are kind of your guys that are in the mix and, and, you know, Mason Kinsey's still around. I, I don't think he's going to make the 53. And I, I honestly think at this point they need to be done with him. If yeah, he can't make like, the 53 in his fourth year, four it's time years. to move on. Yeah. It's time to move on. And and I, I have nothing against the guy. It's just, if you're not good enough to make your 53 man roster by the time you're age, what, 26 or 27, whatever he is now, um, you're the, you, you're not going to, the peak has been hit, you know, like there's nothing more to squeeze out of Mason Kinsey. Um, whereas there could be out of, of some of these other guys. I also think Kyrus Jackson has had moments um, in camp that have looked pretty good. Um, so I actually do like this, this yeah. UDFA wide receiver group. That it's got. funny how DeAndre Hopkins changes everybody's tone about the wide receiver group. Like the wide receiver group is like, Oh, this, this like sucks. And now DeAndre Hopkins here is like, man, you sure do got a lot of people to choose from to cut. Yeah. Um, and now NWI is not even making it that poor guy. But they listen, I will say this. If you're cutting one of NWI and Chris Moore, you cut NWI because you get, uh, I think, just over a million dollars back. And that's 200,000 more than what you would get back from Chris Moore if, if you cut him. Um, I, I'm, I'm really hoping Reggie Roberson shows out in the preseason because last year he only really showed up in one game, but he's really hampered by some really shitty quarterbacks. So yeah. I'm hoping and the... And he was chemistry, coming back from an injury too, right? Yeah, Last the year? chemistry he built, I think he suffered one, but he was into, I think he suffered it with Chicago though. Um, he is building a really great chemistry with Will Levis, which hopefully will translate. Uh, I I really love what Reggie brings. He, he's entirely different from all the other wide receivers you have. Like there's, there's a lot of little overlap between everybody else. Like Reggie Roberson is like, kind of like your Khalif Raymond guy, like your deep threat, and that's really all he's good for. And maybe he's good for a little bit more. And I'm downplaying his skill set. But I, I'm with you on Mason Kinsey. Okay. It's his fourth year. I think the Titans are doing a disservice by keeping him on the roster. Let him go somewhere else. Don't put him on your practice squad. Don't make him suffer through another summer. 
take go somewhere else and put Kiaris Jackson and Treshawn Harrison if they don't make the roster on your practice squad. Give someone else a chance to change your mind because Mason Kinsey obviously is not going to change your mind about his ability. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's time. It's time for them. They've got to find someone who has more upside than Kinsey at this point. Um, and they should have some guys like that. I mean, I I, I really think you know what we've seen from some of these young guys. Um, that are the rookies, especially and Roberson. Um, it's, it's enough for me to think that like, yeah, you need to keep them around just to see what you can develop out of them. Cause they all have higher ceilings than what I think Mason Kimsey does at this point. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think that's where they go, but I, I think it ultimately comes down to if you're going to keep Colton Dowell is Colton Dowell, the new NWI, you know, like, for this season with, with hopefully a higher ceiling, obviously, but can Colton Dowell give you what NWI brings to the table in that you think he can play multiple positions as a backup as receiver, and he can be your gunner on special teams and and do some of the stuff that NWI did there. If Colton Dowell can do that, I think that makes NWI somewhat expendable. Um, And I definitely don't think like, I I think racing McMath's probably done here. Um, like I, I think that experiment's probably over as well, um, but I think it comes down to like Roberson, Dowell, and then like Harrison and Holmes. To me, would be the four, and I might throw Kears Jackson in there. I think it's still it's still probably too early to write him off, but because he's shown some stuff too. But those would be my top four at the moment um, for those last two spots. If if you don't keep NWI, okay. Before we uh, before we transition to football and other efforts or a football show after hours, whatever you want to call it, I'm gonna we're gonna keep up with this, okay? We're gonna keep up with. I got two weeks before the preseason game. We'll do one heading into the preseason game, one after the preseason game, and blah blah blah. Okay. Who's your wide receiver five and who's your wide receiver six? Uh, right I, now. Right now. Um. Actually, give me NWI and Roberson. Okay, well, we're, we're the same. So we're, this will okay. be interesting. We're the same right yeah. now. That will do it for a football show portion of this podcast. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, the Build KG, the Kingston Group. If you want to, um, if you want to stick around live, this is the time to stick around. We are going to talk about what Zach just said in the comments. And then, or... If you're just a football show listener, head over to Football and Other F-Words and make sure that you listen to this, and then you can just scroll past everything you just heard. Head over to the hour and four mark, and we'll be right there for you guys over at Football and Other F-Words. Bluegrass, Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group, but the Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group bring you a football show every Monday, every Thursday. Two great sponsors, locally owned, locally operated. Make sure to do that. For Mike Herndon, for myself this has been a football show